Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Welcome to the monthly St. Romain show, where we took all things music discovery and basically chat for an hour about stuff. And then an hour after that, have a mix from a DJ around the world. Uh, for this month's episode, we're very excited to welcome Shani Mears. Hey. Who uh, I'm going to say is one of the most exciting creative executives coming out of the UK at the moment. <laughs> Has all the awards to back that up. Um, Thank you. That's so, so nice. That's all right. So welcome to St. Romain. So let's have a little intro to you. Oh, I'll do what I did last month's episode. Describe your life in 30 seconds up to the moment your career started. Oh my gosh, describe yeah. my life. Okay. Um, unexpected. Um, it's been a little bit of an anomaly <laughs> um, from when it started to where I am now. It's been quite creative um, in terms of what I've been able to explore and do. Um, it's been sacrificial. I've made a lot of sacrifices. Um, and I think that I have also had a very, I want to say like a little bit of luck and faith mixed in. Like I've got a lot of faith, but a lot of it is lucky as well. I'm pretty lucky to be in my position. So yeah, this humbleness is not going to work for the show. You're going to have to talk yourself a bit more. Uh, (laughs) So, all right, let's talk about what you do now. So let's talk firstly about your kind of your world in terms of career and then we'll talk about the elephant room okay so um yeah so my world is by day and I suppose by night too because it never really stops but I'm the co-founder of a creative advertising agency called the elephant room and which is about three years old and I do that yeah all day every day and I am also a lecturer part-time lecturer at Kingston Uni um, which started this academic year. So I literally just finished my first term. Um, I, up until COVID happened, I was a teacher of hip hop and dance. So I trained up until I was about 21. Um, and yeah, dance was my life for a very long time. And then... What I made all, you change? I think, I think that I went to uni, did dance and I thought... Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna just just jump right into it. And then actually I got really interested in like fashion, music. I was always interested in it, but I felt like I wanted to do more in that space. So I was just recommended to just try and see what marketing looks like, which is a big big jump. I don't know I don't know what even made that person say that. But like, yeah, like you know, you like events, you like things, you like brands, like, you know, you may as well give it a go. I was like, actually, actually, don't all right, like marketing was all right so that was kind of it I just wanted to do more I think um um 
I was a part of Guap magazine for a long time, so about three and a half years, and um, helped build that people out. People who don't know oh, that. Oh, for people who don't know, Guap magazine is a world's first video magazine, and they do everything from creating content. They have a podcast studio. Um, they most recently actually done the partnership yesterday with uh, YouTube Music and all the black artists um, with Westfield. Um, and yeah, they do lots of different stuff. And I was the brand and talent manager there building out the team from 2016 to 2019. Um, and that's, about, I feel like, am I missing anything, Cal? No, that's good. That's yeah, good. that's it. So okay. <laughs> one of the things I like, like I really like about kind of your journey about how the elephant is like how the elephant room started. So talk mm. a little bit about how that. So the elephant room started when I initially moved to London in 2016 and I took an internship with an agency called Liberty and they were like all like a youth marketing agency mainly and um then I went to a really big agency called Iris and they were like a global advertising agency like doing loads of different stuff and it was quite fair to say it was very 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 unorthodox on how I got into the company so like they'd never taken in someone who didn't have like say an advertising background and they didn't really have much people who identified as non-white or um, outside of uh, London or anything like that. So when I entered the company, it was really like, okay, what, what, what do we do with her? But, <laughs> but, um, but it was cool because I got to sort of understand process structure, got to do some cool projects, and then I built a really good relationship with the CEO there. And um, whilst I was there, like he just used to sort of encourage me to like, you know keep talking about the things I was talking about keep keep listening to the things I'm listening to keep attending the events I'm attending and then you know report that back like let people know like let's educate them on different things and different cultures and then I suppose I did that and then got to about 10 months in I think and then it was time for me to either like take a contract or or just move on and it was a little bit like oh would love to offer you a contract but we still don't really know what what your role would be Mm. and I think I kind of got to the point where I was a bit like you know what I appreciate that but I don't think that my role is here like I think it's somewhere else but I loved what I'd learned and I loved the experience and then he was just like you know what let's just start a new business like let's just leave together and um it's funny because I was like, this is the CEO talking. I was thinking, why would you leave your CEO job to come and work with me who doesn't even know anything about business? And he was just a bit like, it was more a bit like, actually, it's not really about business. It is about business, obviously, but it's more about like what we can bring together. Mm-hmm. So like with my like sort of networks and cultural understanding and relevance in terms of like what's happening in like just across music fashion all of that and then with his understanding of business marketing we can sort of just teach each other and I suppose that's kind of what we did so then we left and we created the elephant room um and we are now here today as the elephant room okay um there's a whole load of a whole kind of bit around the elephant room as well I think it's really Mm. interesting because you obviously in fact I think the reason we met was because of girls let's talk well, it was initially because of the TFL pitch that we... That's yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, initially, so we went, we wanted to we wanted to build something. If anyone knows about advertising or, like, the marketing space, it's a very elite world. Like, 
predominantly white, predominantly middle class, predominantly like cisgender, heterosexual males. And it's one of them roles where it's like, it's not that you're not welcome, but it's kind of like, if you don't know, you don't know. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people who just don't know that that space is available to them, that there's accessibility to work with loads of different people, loads of different brands. And I think what we wanted to create is like, we really wanted to create a space where we can change the world of advertising where it was accessible to people who didn't necessarily have the access and it was representative of those who, of what the world looks like, do you know yeah. what I mean? And we wanted to just be able to sort of um, create amazing work, obviously, like creative work, but be inclusive in that, in, in creating that work and everything we do is rooted in like sort of uh, diversity and um, around racial equity and inclusion and representation and just being different like and like embracing that so I think we work really hard to make sure that we are an accessible agency to those who don't always know the industry so mm. we do a lot of different initiatives we create sub brands that can allow people to enter that space have discussion debate obviously we did our creative storytellers at Cobalt initially which was our last in real life event um so yeah, like that's kind of where it started and where it's rooted from and, and we're just constantly learning as well like about what we can do differently to make sure brands are also on that journey because the way the world is now, like there's a lot of like sort of expected brand sort of corporate responsibility and social responsibility for what's happening. So yeah. That's a good point to end up because I'm going to I'm gonna kind of pick into the corporate social responsibility stuff. Oh, in a okay. Yeah. Let's go into your first track. So uh, we've got Tiana Major 9 with Lucky. Yes. Why that track? Ah, oh, Tiana Major is just the queen. Shout out her. But um and I don't actually know her, but I feel like we should be friends. Yeah. Um and I think I first discovered Tiana Major about I think I wanna say about three years ago, three, four years ago. And I just I just loved her vibe. Like she was the super cool girl from East London singing. And then I saw that she'd done um she went to America and was doing stuff with like Earth Gang, and I was like, "These are." I remember seeing Earth Gang in concert again about two years, two three years ago, and I was like, "Nah, this is sick." So, I think I just I just love all the stuff that she's coming out now. She's got a loads of loads of um, loads of tracks that I'm really into. But Lucky is something that I've just got on repeat. So yeah, nice. So let's have it. Lucky by Tiana Major Nine. So we had Channel Major Nine Lucky and then Two Time From Time by Matilda Bond, who is a Swedish songwriter from, well, living in Brighton now. Um, and one of the first tracks when someone sent it to me, I was like, that's definitely going on the show. <laughs> so um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump onto a point that you mentioned earlier about like, corporate social responsibility. Yeah. Um, and it kind of mixes in with another point of how... How do you kind of, because you've, you've built up, I don't want to say a persona because that makes it sound not real, but there's like, <laughs> yeah. you've become kind of like a voice of a lot of black executives in mm. the advertising industry. Was that like a conscious choice? Did you feel like I have to say something and I'm going to 
going to become a figurehead or you just start saying stuff and then people kind of came behind you yeah the latter I, <laughs> I think I started saying stuff and you know what it is I think there's a lot of people who sort of always kind of hold their tongue mm-hmm. because of fear of like being sort of pushed out or um not being say accepted into certain spaces and stuff but I just don't have that fear because one I didn't have an idea of the professional world quote-unquote anyway and for me it's just like what I've got to lose Mm -hmm. and because I've always kind of had that mindset in that sense I just I'm I'm, I I just can't be myself if I don't speak my truth so everything I say is always coming from like primary experience or just from like speaking with friends and family and like hearing about their experience and thinking raw like this is what's really good that do you know what I mean so I feel like I have now that I'm in positions and certain rooms and stuff to say something I'm like come on Chan, you can't not say something or you can't not call that out like I feel like it's important that when you're somebody who does have the opportunity to be able to sort of call something out or you know, just sort of remind people that that's not right. You should take the opportunity. And I think and I think I've just been able to do that. And to be honest, it's crazy because I've also just had like a wealth of support as well. Like I didn't know it could have went either way. Do you know what I mean? Because I've called out a lot of people. But, but actually, some people have said, you know what? Yeah, like that's not right. And I think especially in advertising, because obviously advertising, like I always say, like it's, it's, I feel like it's such a separate space. Like there's all these industries where advertising, I feel like there's this bear going on. And um, earlier this year, I don't know if you've seen, but they made like a pledge, like advertising made like a pledge of like 200 like CEOs and MDs and stuff. And then like, I suppose that's when like people really were like started to understand or get to know who I was because I called out that pledge. Mm-hmm. And but a lot of people were like, oh my gosh, like... What, what was wrong like are you okay like we didn't mean to offend anyone I'm like this isn't about offending me like this is about like doing what's right do you know what I mean and I think there is like it's just I feel like after I did that loads of people then was like yeah like and it's, it, I think it just always takes that one person because I'm not it's not I'm not the only one doing the calling out like, there's loads of people where I feel like sometimes it just takes that one person to sort of just be like yeah and then everyone's like yeah yeah yeah, true true do you know what I mean I mean one of the things I will say in terms of when you do call people out and I I do think it's actually a bit of a rarity is you do kind of offer up ideas for solutions as well yeah which I think helps because you know you can people can call out people for not doing Doing, good or doing as well as they should but then basically just saying well your shit don't you know (laughs) rather than just being like well actually if you look at this in a more kind of proactive way um absolutely and you know let's let's lean into some of the support you have i mean so management's day 35 under 35 under 35 yeah last year uh oysters champion for change yeah which was recent that was yeah that was like yeah that was recently that was literally like two weeks ago and which yep. i didn't think i'd get by the way that is a really big industry um like and that, the yeah. agency got recognized by them as yeah and well. um, yeah we got best new agency as well yeah any other like accolades because <laughs> i'm pretty sure like i was i was actually like spying on your um, linkedin again like, like trying to go through all of the stuff because i get like you lose it in the timeline so too much to find. i was also named um creative entrepreneurs of 2020 by bromwell magazine this year for their winning issue um, I was a BIMA rising champion uh, in 2018. Um, I think 
yeah i've had yeah i've had quite a few accolades but but i feel like they're like the main ones um and i had this earlier this year um i was also named adweeks um future female 2020 which is um about 10 of us get picked um across the uk and europe um and like campaigns oh yeah and i was also the top 10 trailblazers ranking at number three and also the campaign (laughs) there's no room for being humble (laughs) Um, yeah that was also a really big um recognition as well actually because campaign are one of like the biggest trades for like advertising and stuff and like for them to rank me at number i was like huh (laughs) like what so so yeah that was a good you say you feel like the pressure of going into the room and being feeling like you need to say something does does all this kind of heap a lot of pressure on you do you think because Mm. you are i I say this is not an experience but you are like super young and so to have yeah so many like kind of eyes on what you're doing do you ever feel like there's the pressure to either just talk up (laughs) you talk up or you know does that put you in situations where um you know like people say like you can do about a tweet in a like when you're drunk or when you're yeah, in a bad yeah. mood and then, and then and I'm and like oh shit yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I definitely feel that because because in 2018 2018 December going into 2019 I also got um asked to sit on the cabinet office race disparity audit at the home office and that was like a big ask because that for me changed like my personal brand quote unquote because mm-hmm. they found me and then when I really knew they were really looking, I was like, okay, now I just can't be just talking, talking the wildest. And that's across Twitter, Instagram, like everything. So yeah, to some extent, I do feel like, oh my gosh, like I've really got to be careful about what I put my name against or what I call out and who I call out. However, um, at the same time, I think you guys found me and you wanted me as I am. So I'm not going to change anything because I'm not really doing anything that I'm not proud of, quote unquote. So I feel like... And also, I always say, like, I'm not the poster girl for D&I. Like, that's not my thing here. But at the same time, I am always going to call it out because I feel like hopefully it becomes something that is just normal. Like, yeah. in time, like, you know what I mean? And I'm, I've sort of accepted that even in my time of working, I might not see that. But actually, if we start now, then when it gets to the point where, like, kids, grandkids, etc., it's just, oh, it's like you was fighting for them things. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, that's not even a thing anymore. And that's kind of where we're trying to get to. I think there's the difficulty as well, because when, you know, you are a black person in any industry, mm. you have a view and then everyone assumes that's like the black view. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, like Marcus like, Rashford or something. Yeah, like, yeah. He's the black footballer. Yeah. So then... You represent everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that definitely... Um, that definitely is a thing and I, do, and I always say like I always speak from my experience mm-hmm. because I'm not from London um I don't identify as like like for example I'm a heterosexual black girl from Birmingham and they say the black experience the gay experience from London is very very different so I can't speak on behalf of that black girl do you know what I mean yeah. I always say like I always speak from my experience and I make it known that I can I cannot speak on behalf of other people but I can I can share that sort of sentiment. So, for example, I speak about a lot of my a lot of my friends from African descent with African names, like long names and stuff, them changing their name on LinkedIn and mm. changing their name on their CV. I've never had to do something like that personally, but I know so many people that have had to do that. So I speak about it like that's not, do you know what I mean? And things like that. So it's like, it's not necessarily always like, oh yeah, like I'm going through this, et cetera, but it's just a shared experience sometimes that I, I feel like I can talk on behalf of. Yeah, no, I get that. And also, I mean, one of the things that 
I think you do talk about really well in terms of kind of executives in the industry and companies kind of trying to grow their diversity mm. is that they need to go where these people are, not yeah. try and draw those people into their own world. Yeah, to- absolutely. I think like there's a real idea that like a lot of companies and it's actually a very strange thing to me that they think, oh, but we're cool. Like we've got such heritage and why wouldn't people want to come and work for us? We can just put an application out. Yeah. And then they think everyone's going to, I'm like, okay, first of all, the world doesn't work like that anymore. Like there are so many new things that particularly young people that want from work rather than just the cool name to attach themselves to, or, you know, a, a good pay even like there's so many things that people care about in terms of like sustainability, purpose, brand, pet, et cetera. So you have to look at, okay, what one what what is that value that you're giving them beyond what i like obviously said and then also where are they like you know if you think that indeed is is popping it's not uh, do you know what i mean they probably don't know what indeed is and yeah or like monsters jobs like and i've actually seen people like i even named this thing because i've seen people put there they're like yeah but it's out and i'm like no like you actually have to implement yourselves in the communities that these people are in and like and if you and like there are like I understand like for example I'm a part of a couple where it's like a female only group mm-hmm. or um only for people of colour for example but then you find someone who's in those groups that can share those opportunities and create those networks even yeah. if you're not a part of that because some people also use that as an excuse oh but I'm not a woman so I can I can't be I'm like well then go and speak to a woman that is yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean it's not that hard so it's just little stuff like that that I just think like come on guys and. I just think as well, like, it's just it's just about, like, interest as well. Like, having an avid interest in the culture you're trying to connect with. Like, people know when it's, like, not authentic and transparent. Like, people know when it's just, like, a tick box exercise and stuff like that. They can see right through it. So, you have to be passionate about the things that you're working towards or trying to implement. And I think a lot of people just won't work for you, mm. ultimately. Or they'll work for you, clock that it's not cool and leave. And that's why retention is so bad for people as well. So I think there's so many things to sort of overcome in that sense. And even when it comes to like policies, like people care about company culture and how they're going to be treated, what they can wear, how they can wear their hair, do their nails. Like they care about things like that because it's a part of their identity. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people sometimes are asked to assimilate like, you know, oh no, like don't wear your curly hair or, oh no, cut down your nails or, oh no, like, you know, wear a shirt instead of a jumper. Like it's just like little things like that. And it's like, well, no, like I'm not going to do that because that's not me. Do you know what I mean? And I think companies have to now start adapting to that. Yeah, yeah. Right, what we're going to do is we're going to go into your next track, which mm-hmm. is Scribs Riley. So yes. why is that? Shout yeah. out Scribs. You know what, I think when I first, I must admit, Scribs Riley I discovered on Spotify. Like, I didn't it's not, actually. It's not, that's not, <laughs> <laughs> that does happen occasionally. No, no, because normally I'm quite, I'm someone who like goes and looks for art. Like I look for new artists quite often. But actually he was someone like, it just, Mandy started playing on my playlist and I was like, yo, this is a banger. And then ever since I was just like, yeah, this is, this guy's sick. So Shout out Scribs Riley. That's just it. Nice. Well, <laughs> so the next track is going to be Mandy by Scribs Riley. Do what you want to, Mandy. Whatever makes you happy, babe.
there we had Mandy by Scribbs Riley and then Aperitif by, I want to say ADLR, but I know the guy's name is Will Adler, so it could be Adler. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but everyone loves a bit of French house, so good times. Yeah, um, love that. So what we're going to do is jump onto um, a kind of a new topic, but one that I think is really interesting. We were talking before the show about how I think it's really interesting how like different creative worlds kind of meld together and, you know, yeah. and kind of kind of different parts of the industry come together so you're mm-hmm. also a music manager as well yeah so talk to us a little bit about that and how you managed to fit that in your time um so i uh i've always loved music and to be honest i kind of felt like if i wasn't if i wasn't gonna take a route in marketing then i always kind of felt like music was the next big thing mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, I sort of always explored opportunities in music. So um, whether it be for events, obviously I was at Guap and naturally like we start, like they started off heavily in the music scene. Um, so working with artists and getting to know new artists and that was just natural to me. And when I when I used to work ages ago in Topshop, um, I had a friend who also worked in Topshop with me and he was a producer, a young guy at the time, very young, he was like 16. And he was just like, you know what? Like, I really want to do this music thing. And I was like, oh, yes, sick, you should. Years later, we're talking like now, like what, 10 years later, um, he continued to pursue that. His name's Shamari, Shamstil. And he kind of felt like, although he was making music, producing, DJing, everything. He wanted somebody who knew him and knew his style, mm-hmm. quote unquote. But then also actually like, was quite like, I suppose, go get in, knew people in the industry, knew how to navigate that space, have those conversations. And he just was like, you, you're the person. And I was like, am I? <laughs> and she was just like, are you sure? Like, And it was a very organic relationship that built because I knew him anyway and I knew he's always loved music and I knew he wanted to pursue that so I suppose we just kicked it off with like literally like three months stint at first it was like okay if nothing happens then it's not meant to be (laughs) but actually within that three months which was last year he was on like the front cover of got magazine got him how'd you get there (laughs) (laughs) I mean you know we was talking about like you know the future the future of like you know just music and do great stuff and like he's the co-founder of a sick sick collective called trap house founded by birmingham people but started in nottingham Mm -hmm. in manchester and i was just like yeah let's do this and like he'd done a clash at box park croydon with pit london and he won that and i was just like yeah he was like yes see told you like we can do this so it's been it, 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 it is a very long journey and a very challenging one but actually it's um, a really great learning and it's really great for me because I still get to be in music which I still love and I get to explore different avenues with him so like for example earlier this year he done a live set for Voodoo Club and they are a collective based in Barcelona mm-hmm. putting like Afro beats all of that hip hop on the map in Spain and they're sick and I've been following them for a while I'm like how are we going to work how are we going to do something and it's a great opportunity to build that connect and just stuff like that I just love and um, you know he's you know he's still DJing still doing guest mixes like shout out Jam Suvanova she had him on her selector radio as like one of the DJs of the month and stuff like that so yeah like yeah, we're getting there. He's he's great, and we should you should check him out if you are listening. <laughs> Sham still. Nice. So yeah, 
And do you think do you find that like kind of the two worlds mesh together quite well? Like your working world and your well, they're both working worlds. But. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And like, I even remember coming to you for like advice and stuff. And like, <laughs> oh no, de- no, it was it was a it was great. Like all the advice, advice I've got from everyone has been like amazing. And I think it's stuff like that I that I appreciate because actually it all makes sense. Like mm-hmm. we can have a conversation about advertising projects, and then we can have a conversation about a DJ. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. for for me, it all makes sense. Everything I do, I think anyway, is all like a link. It's just a link after link after link. I, I never really don't. I know I don't really do things that don't make sense for my career, mm. to be honest. So I feel like it could be whether it be like me in music world and understanding like who's the next big artist coming up. So when I'm talking to brands, I can be like, well, actually, did you know? Like, do you know what I mean? And yeah. it just kind of keeps me on on my toes, really. I think those worlds, like from my point of view, because obviously I work in marketing as well, those worlds have come together a bit more because, you know, it used to be that trying to convince an artist to do something with a brand, they'd be like, nah, no chance. Yeah. Like, you know, this is nothing to do with my yeah. my own personal brand and like, mm. unless the money's good. And, mm. you know, and it used to basically be that, you know, an artist's kind of relationship with a lot of brands was basically on the sync licensing side of it. So, you know, if their music gets used, then great. But yeah. other than that, they wouldn't link with it. Yeah. But like one example, because I know we both commented on this post, was like the um, the Nike Londoner advert. Yeah. Like yeah. And just how they come together, like the music of that yeah. is so powerful. And then like the bit in Peckham, because it, is it gigs in Peckham? Yeah, gigs. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. like how that's become like, they're not even separate things anymore. They're yeah. kind of interlinked together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and more and more, like I was finding, especially when I was at AWOL and I was working with a lot of brands, like more and more would be, that the brands themselves were fully aware of the fact that there was more opportunity available than just licensing music. Like they wanted to get into the world of artists. Yeah. And artists and their managers have become like much more clued into where the money is. Yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. not just like having your, you know, paying the the one off fee for your music or whatever. It's all about linking in with that brand for a long period of time yeah, and yeah. making sure you get the most out of it. Yeah. Um a hundred percent. A hundred percent, I think. Yeah, I remember commenting that post as well because I remember even Sports Direct. Yeah, the... I wasn't going to say that. Then, it was the Sports Direct ripping off. And then you were like, they ba- this basically London. And I was just like, literally. But it's funny because it's like, people realise how strong as well it is in terms of like cultural value. Mm. Like, like I always say like, there's like people talk about social capital and culture capital is like the absolute biggest thing right now because people want to attach themselves to people and things that are relevant and even like that Nike London advert Georgia J-Hoss Skepta like the list goes on of how many people in music was in that mm. and that's just because they're just relevant of today that's what that's who people are listening to who people are influenced by do you know what I mean and I think that that's how brands are going to future proof themselves anyway I think but equally for the artists as well like it allows them to be more than just an artist like yeah. I think a really good example of that is like Stormzy because he is obviously an, an artist and is an, a brilliant artist, but actually he's a cultural figure mm. for a lot of different things. And he's allowed himself to be a voice on education, on um, on music. Um, he's 
And he's got like a publishing arm to yeah, work in yeah, as well like, with like poets and writers on it and stuff. Yeah, and I remember reading an interview with him ages ago and he was just like, yeah, like we should be, you know, doing media production and we should be in labels and we should, and like, and it's just like, it's great how it's, that's manifested because it's like a really good example of how people are doing that. And other people in different um, spaces are doing it too, like in sports and whatever. But I just think, yeah, brands are getting onto that now and how everything interlinks. Yeah, for sure. So... Talking of brands, actually, it's not a brand, it's a series, but obviously before we were talking about how I was obsessively listening to Colours uh, yeah. the last few days. Um, and so the next track is actually one that I picked off from that, which is uh, by a Belgian Congolese artist with an African producer called, well, an artist called Buddy and then Bodies Satva. Um, so that's Malve's Ambience. And then we've got another one from you, which is R-A-E, which I was like... Shout out fantastic tune like, um, <laughs> she's the old G by the way shout out Ray like she's also a friend of mine and yeah she's just sick like sick that, that's the like she's sick <laughs> like the whole like yeah I, I, I feel like if you listen to her project she's also got something called like this and she's recently linked up with I feel like it's a South Brazilian artist I can't remember her name but they've just done a remix and it's just how like yeah music is just global now in it so it's sick. Listen to her. Nice. All right, let's go one into the other. Again. I was just saying off air, like, how... Uh, it always amazes me when artists can actually pull off that like old school yeah. sound properly and not make so it sick. sound and not make it sound like some sort of like cheap rip, <laughs> rip off. off. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny as well because like, I feel like we're really in that, um, like what's it called? Like, you know, like nostalgic mm. era where people just want to just do throwbacks and listen to like loads of different stuff. And I think, yeah, this is just like right on point for like, thinking, oh my gosh, this reminds me of Brandy or whatever. Something yeah. Like and it, that. but it's funny because it all wraps in with fashion as well. Actually, yeah. Yeah. It's like, true. You see like, like feel of stuff coming back. Yeah. And then yeah. Stuff yeah. Back yeah. And, yeah. and um, it's all like cyclical because then you'll see like a lot of like the seventies, like running fashion mm. comes back in as well. And yeah. um, I saw something the other day. Um, Echo. Echo. On my Instagram. Yeah, do you remember Echo? Yeah, I thought they got bought by something like Mike <laughs> Ashley or something. Like, but I've seen like, I've seen like they did this like shoot thing on on Instagram. It came from our sponsor feed and they just did this like, this like block sheet. And I was like, oh my gosh, Echo, you know, like, can you imagine? But, but yeah. It's funny because it's funny how they shift as well because so, so I say a less, do you say a lessy? Or less. Lessie, yeah. Right, whatever it is. Yes. <laughs> I, d- I don't know how you actually pronounce it though. Is it a Lessie? Is it a Less? I have oh, this I with know. artist names. Like a lot of the time I'll be like, shit, I haven't worked out well then how to pronounce their name. <laughs> um but like I used to wear a Less or a Lessie trainers when I was like eight in a village in the middle of Britain. Like I wasn't cool in any way. <laughs> and yet like they all come back again and I'm like looking like, oh I used to wear those yeah, when I was a kid. Yeah. How did I wear song? that? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what though, that's like that's like, for example, Umbro. Mm-hmm. Umbro was not cool back in the day. Like Umbro, no. like it was not cool. But actually now, Umbro's come back with like some real cool stuff. Like it's like it's kind of retroy and it's like yeah. it's a vibe. Like and even like I saw what is he, Averick's, um, you know the Averick's uh, oversized jackets and stuff. Um, oh, oh but yeah, and I'm like Averick's, like what? Like and then um, it's so funny. I mean. 
I don't really keep up with them like that, but I do follow Kylie Jenner. And she. Oh, yeah, yeah. get um, a quick disclaimer before. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm no No, I mean, I, I, but I, I, I love her style and stuff, so I, I do follow her for that. But I, I literally tweeted it yesterday Stormy, her daughter, had on Ivisu jeans with a McDonald's Travis Scott drip. And I was like, can you imagine? Look at the two, the two eras coming together, like Ivisu and McDonald's, McDonald's clothing line. Like, and I'm like, that is, and she's literally like three. And I'm like, that's crazy. Like, Ivisu, like, who's rocking Ivisu now? Well, seems like it's popping we like me and my wife had agreed that we wouldn't make our kid wear like any sort of fashionable clothes we we're like no i'm oh, just gonna wear baby clothes gonna wear <laughs> and uh then her sister bought her like some converse store stuff for her and i was like i'm wrath i'm gonna stop <laughs> like no um but talk like okay talking about new generations so mm. what we haven't talked about is you as a lecturer yeah uh an educator of young minds <laughs> so how did that come about you know what? It's it's. I have like a goal list of like things I want to do eventually, and I kid you not, I just saw a vacancy on LinkedIn, and I was like, "I read it." I was like, "I can do this. Like, <laughs> I can do this." I mean, I don't have any teaching qualifications, but I basically teach all the time. Um, so let me just apply, and then I applied. And I remember I got an email from the hit that I would love to have a chat with you. And I was like, oh, great. At least I've got through that stage. They can meet me. And I think when they can meet me, it's, it's great because I feel like I can really sell myself. See, that's the bit I wanted at the beginning. Not they're like, oh, I've done all right. It's oh, like, yeah, uh, yeah. When I get in the room. When I'm, yeah, like, when, I'm, when I'm like face to face or when we have a conversation, I feel like, boom. And you know what? I must say as well, like you touched on it earlier. Like, I am very young and I also like, I don't. There's. I don't think there's anything at all wrong with how I present myself because I'm, I feel like I'm always appropriate. But people do sometimes get taken aback when they actually see me. They're like, "Oh, like I think they just don't expect me to look a certain way or be a certain way." And sometimes I get. I do get that vibe. Like initially, like oh, like oh, okay, like it's that kind of. And I'm always like hyper aware of that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I have to come in like real strong, like yeah I've done this 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 this. like I have to and I'm not even someone who name drops a lot or I like you won't even know I worked on a project unless I've like posted it or spoken about it or whatever but in that scenario I had to like come strong like yeah (laughs) like I gotta do this and and yeah they were they were like they offered me on the spot they were like yeah so what are you you lecturing so I lecture so I I lecture at Kingston University and Kingston have a Kingston School of Art Mm um so there's a creative and cultural industries department and there's four degrees in that department. So it's art direction, event curation, fashion and promotions and design marketing. Mm-hmm. And within that, they have modules that they have to do across their degrees. So I, this term, I did um, something called culturepreneurship, which is about entrepreneurship and then implementing that like um, impact of culture mm-hmm. and then customer mindfulness which is all about um consumer journeys and marketing and stuff like that and then next term will be on creative project management so that's like seeing through a brief and stuff like that so essentially it's advertising and marketing what i'm already doing mm-hmm. but it's just based on different modules because they're all doing different degrees but it's all under the umbrella of the creative and cultural industries department so yeah and and i think i'm kind of cool like they're kind of like me oh, like no, that no. Is, <laughs> I think they kind of like me like I get hit up like 
oh Shani like we'd love to have a chat and like could, could we have a one-to-one they've all added me on Instagram and like they're super cool students like I love them I'm not as cool as them but I think they still think I'm cool because if you gotta think like I'm actually not like they're like what 18 19 20 and although I'm I'm 26 going 27 but there's still quite a gap there so some things they're still they're like what now nah, like some references are, and I make a lot of reference to like 90s 2000s and stuff and they're like what like some of them were born in 2002 so yeah do you so talking about kind of like the sense of responsibility do you have like when mm. you're talking on socials is that like double down now that you're kind of um in charge of the forming of their mind <laughs> these these gonna, I mean, they're gonna come out as marxists and then start taking it <laughs> You know, but it's one of them ones where, again, like, I feel like I'm always quite appropriate. Yeah. But actually, so sometimes, I, t- I mean, I might, for example, I might talk about, I don't know, like my, my romantic life or something like that. And I maybe have to, like, be a little bit harsh about that because I'm like, oh, yeah, actually, I've got my students on here, so I'm not going to like blatant that out. But actually, it's not, it's not like, it's not, it's not major. It's nothing major. But the one thing I always say to them, like, is like, obviously, I'm your lecturer in it and cool like there's an element of like me empowering you and educating you and mm-hmm. stuff but the reason why i got into lecturing is because again like keeping myself on my toes i want you to i want you to not not say uh what's the word i want you to disagree sometimes yeah. i want you to challenge me because that's the whole point of me coming into your space do you know what i mean and and i didn't get told that as a student as from my lecturers i didn't get told to challenge them or to think differently I didn't get told those things and I feel like that's kind of my reason for entering that space because I feel like it's crucial at that age you get told to be controversial and do all those things trial and error and I just don't think they're just told enough and you know I've got a lot of things to say about the education system but but like yeah like and I think that's that's kind of why I entered that space and and yeah they're great they're cool and they're adults as well so there's still a level of accountability they have to take for like mm. not doing work and stuff like that. I can actually, I can actually tell them off like, come on guys, like you know what I mean, like do the work, come to class. Like I shouldn't have to really tell you that, but I'm gonna tell you anyway. Do you know what I mean? I think you're right though. I think it's it's kind of necessary, especially when you work in like creative industries. People mm. have to disagree with you and have to think things yeah, different. Like exactly. I did a history degree. There wasn't really a whole lot of disagreeing about that. <laughs> it's already happened. So, yeah. And all of all of my lecturers were like sixties. So. <laughs> um, but like when I did my mark, like, cause then I did a, a master's in marketing. So that was more right. about like thinking about kind of the ins and outs and stuff. Yeah. But even then, like I, I didn't relate. I mean, the reason I got into marketing is cause I was a promoter and I loved right. the act of like promoting nights and stuff. I was terrible okay. at actually promoting nights, <laughs> but like the, I love that act of I trying to do it. To <laughs> um, and so that kind of got me into marketing in the first place, mm. but I didn't really relate to anybody I was talking to. Yeah. And so I think that's always a struggle because then yeah, you know, yeah. I think you learn a lot better when you actually relate to me. Like I learned from my friends just as much as I learned from anybody from, else. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is a big part of their learning as well. Cause it's like, I'm um, like, and I don't know if this is down to me. It could be. I don't know. But like they want to come to class now. Like mm-hmm. they they want to learn about different things that are happening. Like between myself and the other lecturers like Ash and Renee, like we bring in other people in our networks that can also maybe explain things a bit better than yeah. we can. And they appreciate stuff like that. Like people from the industry or examples of things that they can relate to. So I remember, you know, we were doing 
a smart tactic, which is a ref, like a marketing reference, or whatever. But then I've done an exam. I've done it based off uh, No Signal Radio, mm-hmm. which was like it only had been developed obviously over COVID, but it's something that they related to because it yeah. was COVID. They're living it right now. The people like their age. Do you know what I mean? And it's like they were then more inclined to learn. Yeah. And when they're more inclined to learn they just do better on their assignments and their modules. And that's kind of what you want, essentially. And I think another thing as well, like, you know, you made the point about your lectures being old. <laughs> they were like, yeah, like, everyone's just a bit old. Like, and old to them is not even that old. No. <laughs> like... I talked to like we were talking about her. Like I talked to my niece and so she's just gone to uni. Yeah. <laughs> and so she'll make references about stuff. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Like she was Literally. listening to loads of um like obviously i know like soundcloud rap like soundcloud rap's a fairly broad term but yeah yeah she was like listening to soundcloud rap that was awesome from like it was like japanese soundcloud rap oh right, it was okay. like the most subculture thing i'd ever <laughs> heard and she was playing it and it sounded awful it's like the production on this is terrible and she's like yeah yeah but it's so good it's like how how are you finding this good like i don't understand because i didn't understand like the cultural reference yeah yeah and why yeah they yeah were interested in it um and yeah it, and yeah because and i'm like guys like that's actually not that old but okay but yeah but but then it's like it's nice to be able to again learn learn more from them do you know what i mean and 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 swap references and and like and i, was like, oh, I don't even remember the name now but i learned about a new uh social media app i can't even remember it is it deej teach i don't remember what it was called but i just had no clue what it was yeah and i was like what even is that? Like, whoa, like, that's crazy. That's a whole new world. Like, and even like some of them saying like, yeah, we don't really sign up to mailing lists. Like a lot of this stuff is like subscriptions on Snapchat. And I'm, whoa, like a subscription. On, I don't what? <laughs> like, yeah. That's not even like, that's not even something I would even consider. And we're not even that far apart again, but you can see it's a new generation of how they take in information and all of that stuff. So I think it's yeah, it's just interesting to learn about. But I think that like that goes into the working world as well, back the other way because like I I pretty much like peaked social media wise with Instagram. Like that was <laughs> be- like that's kind of where I was like I can't be bothered with anything else. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Snap came around and like there's like Triller and TikTok going. Yeah, yeah, they're just yeah. not my thing. Like they're yeah. they're not. I'm not interested in them. But I also understand the importance of them as marketing tools. Yeah. And it's just it's like cultural tools. So there is no point like me as a marketing person trying like make marketing campaigns thing i don't understand yeah. so you have to like go to the source yeah go to them yeah absolutely and i think that's like me like i have i have tiktok and stuff but i'm only on it to look at other people's yeah, stuff basically. Like, lurk in the background and watch other people's basically stuff. and i'm just not that great i'm not that great at creating content and stuff like that and social media doesn't excite me like that but like I do get excited learning new things mm. or learning about new people. So it's really interesting, like being able to sort of hear what they're doing or see, then go back myself and then research yeah. and stuff like that. I love stuff like that. And then like, even like LinkedIn, like I love LinkedIn personally. And a lot of people are like, oh, I don't understand it. I don't get it. Like, you know, what young people are on LinkedIn. I'm like, no, it's actually a really good platform if you get the hang of it. And I suppose that's kind of like how, like how they might feel about LinkedIn is how I may feel about TikTok. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I get it. Like I get, I get the vibe. So it's all an yeah. ecosystem, isn't it? Just different um, social media platforms. You just have to tweak how you use them. To, yeah, to exactly. Actually get something out of them and how it works for you in it. Yeah. Um, 
talking of new stuff so here's the last two tracks of the show from this part of the show so we've got come down from uh by joseph who's one for me who do you know joseph before no i don't uh, like so he when i was talking before about we went to iceland he was on oh, the ice he came yeah. to iceland with us, but he's just like phenomenally talented like guy from glasgow Sick. he's kind of like a 50s crooner you'll hear it in a second oh, okay yeah, yeah. just so talented he was like one of i think he was like bbc's one to watch last year and stuff oh nice. obviously this year has been a bit of a shit show for everything yeah. but um and then the last track which we'll end on from you which you sent over to me last night i was like great yeah. choice <laughs> yeah so, yeah um any featuring georgia smith ping black girls which is just you know what i just think when she dropped it the the first one without the remix i thought it was sick I saw the artwork everything i just was like yeah saw the video i was like sick um and then she dropped the one with georgia then she dropped the colors and i was like this is lit and everyone is just sort of listening taking it in and yeah like super great i love it shout out any right let's go speak to you like there's nothing wrong Wish I could go back to before I wrote this song and tell you I loved you And you would smile and you'd say me too 